everybody. It's Tanya. Welcome back to Recovering Church Girls. And as always, I know I say it all the time. I'm really excited because I just have really amazing people in my world and we get to have some really wonderful conversations. And that is certainly going to be the case once again today because I have with me Clementina Esposito. First of all, hi, Clementina. Hi, Tanya. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this. We've had this conversation going between the two of us for probably a good like a year or two now. And so to be able to bring it, you know, kind of full circle and to share it on the podcast, I'm really grateful for that. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's back up. Uh, when we talk about this idea of recovering church girl, what does that mean to you? What does that bring up? What was your childhood like? Mm. <laughs> big question, well, right? <laughs> uh, so I think I'll, I'll go right into sort of narrowing down because that is a big question. And I'll just say, um, I'll start with a story. Okay. Um, I think one of my earliest memories of church um, was on an Ash Wednesday when my mother took me to um, get ashes. And uh, it, well, little backstory that you need for that is, I, I don't know, you know, my mother was quite a perfectionist, um, which I've strived not to be in many places in my life. But one of the ways that um, I was a little OCD was about my clothes. Um, and my mother says that this was actually my lead that she followed, um, <laughs> which was that she would, she joked that she had to carry like a valise with her because if I got anything on my outfit, like a spot of what I, I had to change immediately. <laughs> uh, and, and so I, I was like, you know, and, and it, I, I can, I believe this story because I do get a little OCD if there's like a little stain on something or something, you know, something that people wouldn't even notice. I'm like, okay, that needs, I need to be done with that. Well, so, I do have to say you have an impeccable sense of style to this day. So it would not surprise me that that found its very beginning as a child. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think also this, this, you know, whether it was, whether I was born that way or it was a nature nurture thing or probably some combination of both, um, I was one of very few girls in the family. So I think, and I was the youngest. So I think this, uh, so I was often gifted, you know, it was like an exciting thing and the, you know, it manifested itself in these clothes. So anyway, um, my getting back to church and my mother taking me for ashes on Ash Wednesday. So uh, also, I think because I was a girl around a lot of boys, you know, they were the ones who got dirty, you know, there was a real double. <laughs> um, and I was definitely a girly girl and they were the ones who got dirty and they were the ones playing in the dirt and I was not. And so here we are this Ash Wednesday and the priest puts the ashes on my head and I was just like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no way, you know, and I, I demanded that he, quote, get the dirt off my head. That's awesome. <laughs> and, um, and that was the beginning of, uh, you know, my mother was more, just absolutely mortified. And, you know, I don't, she didn't even know what to do with me. And she, uh, you know, took me home and, you know, told my father what I had done and it was just like, I think for them, you know, the writing was on the wall. It was like, what are we going to do with this? <laughs> um, and so, um, 
you know, I, I did, so, so it's interesting because on the one level, um, you know, I didn't mean any disrespect, you know, at that, you know, and I didn't mean it. It was just like, no, this is not, this is not, I cannot, you know, I, I just couldn't quote buy it. Right. right. <laughs> um, and on the other, and on the other point, I think even though there was such a double standard and it was obvious that, you know, boys and girls were treated differently in the family and stuff. Uh, I, I really, I loved the storytelling aspect of going to church. And I, and I think in large part, because I didn't come from a very um, well-read family. In fact, you know, they're not, I mean, they're not illiterate, but they're not readers. Mm -hmm. um, right. So yes, I mean, my mother read me, you know, your, those golden books and stuff. As a child. <laughs> and she very, she, she was cool with me, me wanting to go to the library and stuff, but I was really self-taught and self-directed. And knowing your love of story and your skill in story, that doesn't surprise me that that was something that really resonated with you. Yeah. So I, I mean, I really used to like to listen to the stories and oddly enough, you know, this was before my, my feminist teachings. I, I didn't, you know, whether the people in the stories were men or women, I just saw them as human. Mm. And I, th I think the, the place that I went to first was that the, these stories were about human beings. Mm -hmm. And so I think I didn't feel left out at first. And I think that was my entrance in to what I think I got out of it. And I know this, this, you know, when I say these things, this upsets my husband a little bit, who really <laughs> takes, takes things very takes the church teachings and, and being Catholic it's very literally mm -hmm. um, and and uh, you know it works for him uh, a lot of his wonderful wonderful qualities come from that that you know this is serious stuff and you follow rules and you're a better person because of them and I'm just like yeah I, I, I did get for the metaphor you know <laughs> and um and and so um you know so I really think that that um that I, that I got something very, um, that's a really, really a central part of who I am before I had so many issues. Cause you, you what? mentioned this idea of like, before I got into the feminist teachings and, you know, at the beginning I saw them just as human beings. What changed for you? At what point in time did you realize that most of the stories you were hearing that were positive were about men and most of the stories, if you were hearing any at all about women in the Bible were bad <laughs> for lack of a better um, word. I, I don't know if, you know, I don't know. I, I can't off the top. Okay. I'll respond to that in two ways. Off the top of my head. I don't know if there was this like one, you know, I know there one are certain <laughs> questions where you could ask me. I'd be like, Oh my God, I know the exact second that that happened. Right. Um, I don't, I don't know that, but I, I know that I was very attracted to, you know, I mean, some of my um, young female idols, you know, Madonna, Tori Amos, um, you know, and God, I might as well, I mean, I was Madonna on Halloween. And once I started to follow, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, we're the same person. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously we're not, but um, I, I, I sort of saw in these other people, this sort of, rebellious thing that I identified in myself, even if I wasn't allowed to, because, you know, my dad had a lot of strict rules about how you were able to present 
Um, I think it still does. <laughs> um, you know, and so, um, and, and, and I, you know, obeyed. Um, so I don't think I ran around sort of, uh, I, I was like, re- I repressed, but I understood um, on the inside that I really identified mm-hmm. with this need to sort of rebel and that there was, you know, uh, a lot of, things that were I think the moment when I really realized I had to do some recovering in uh things that I adopted was uh was after uh, I was recovering I was literally recovering from a freak accident which I won't drop here because it's really big and heavy and and I'll I'll leave this for a future plug when my book is finally done I'll let people (laughs) but uh I was recovering from a freak accident which which just was one of those uh, you know, before and after moments in my life. It was like, I, I, there was no way I was going to be the same person on the other side of it. And, oh, it was all tied up with this relationship and a lot of it was private in nature. And, oh, my, it was just in every way I sat there and I realized that if I was going to heal, this was going to be about some fundamental beliefs that I might not have even known I had. Mm. Um, And had you had, and this was, you know, after college, I certainly considered myself, I mean, pretty much for me, from the day I left for college, I I went with this wildly independent streak and this idea that I was really um, a feminist and I was not going to be, I wasn't, I didn't think I was like the women, um, in my family until I found myself in this situation. Mm. And uh, in that moment, I realized I had a lifetime's work of work to work to do. And I realized that I believed in a punishing God Mm. um, uh, on top of everything else that I was suffering from. I realized that I, that I believed that I was being punished Right. So at the very core of everything, that was probably one of the biggest aha moments, I would imagine, because I'm familiar with the story from what you've told me personally, but just this idea of you have all of that. And then on top of it, there's an ingrained sense that you are being punished and you are worthy of being punished. And you can draw that directly back to the teaching in the church. Yeah, well, and that's where I would go, well, pause right there. So yes, 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 to what you said was, yes, I believed in a punishing God, and I believed that I deserved to be punished. Um, And um, now, where I pause is that, you know, there are so, I mean, this is one of the things I love about storytelling, is that it's so complicated. Yes. Um, right. And there are so many layers. Um, so, you know, there are so many, I mean, look, here I was on the one hand thinking I was all healed and evolved and everything, you know, that was a story I was telling myself. Uh, right. It was a self, it was a kind of self-protective armor. It was a kind mm. of, um, uh, you know, way I wasn't going to identify and I was going to, you know, forge my own path. Um, and then, whoa. Uh, but so I think, I think um, it depends on so many things, the Uh teachers of those stories, you know, um, how uh, the kind of of 
of students that we are, what, where we are, um, what we, how we interpret things. Um, and um, I mean, if you've ever had that moment where you were taught one thing by a teacher and then discovered something very different, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know that teachers whether consciously or unconsciously they can distort meaning they can make their own I mean we're all meaning making machines right it depends on how we how we consume the teachings Mm -hmm. and where we are when we consume them Um, and I think that's the beautiful thing about teachings that I mean some of Jesus's teachings that let you know that are still relevant today um, and, uh, you know, I, I was reading about one of them just last, I'm actually writing about one in my blog this morning, um, you know, that, and I don't know what I would have thought of it at any different point in my life, but right now I think it's beautiful mm. and useful and valuable, you know, and to me, it doesn't matter where this teacher comes from. It's, um, you know, and it's the, the teaching I'm talking about is um, he finds himself outside the Delphi Oracle and he, he sees the words, know thyself. Mm. And like a lot of good teachers and leaders, he adds to that. And he says, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. I don't get it exactly right. But um, basically, if you bring forth what's inside of you, it will save you. Mm. Um, if you don't, it will destroy you. Uh-huh. Um, and so, so many times what I think happens is that our parents, and they don't meet our parents, our, you know, whatever, this and that, whatever fears they have, whatever unresolved stuff, they take that and then they take a commandment or a teaching or whatever, and they put it together uh-huh. and, <laughs> and they shackle us with it, you know, um, and, and, you know, when you go back to some of these pure teachings apart from these flawed people <laughs> um, and you're like oh that's not what that meant at all like oh wait a second that's not at all what that says <laughs> right so you know take that that one thing for example you know I think with so many I work with so many art like when I say art creatives people and and even if they're even if they've up to this point seen themselves as business people when they come to me they are you know, embarking on a creative project. And, um, you know, so many times uh, the work that I love to do is to free them, right, from a lot of these shackles, let's just call them, mm. you know. And, um, and part of that, if you take those words and we just look at them in there just, just as they are, you know, if we bring forth what's inside us mm-hmm. and if we believe in a, in a benevolent, non-judgmental, beautiful, empowering God, then we have so much mm-hmm. support and strength um, behind us when we're doing the scary things. Absolutely. It often means overturning those, let's call them ancestral misinterpretations or misuses. Mm-hmm of what may or may not have been a useful teaching. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, does, that, does that answer your questions? It does, <laughs> yeah. I, I love this idea of recognizing the complexity for what it is, because I think sometimes where those 
again, I, I may be, you know, inviting lightning bolts down on myself here. Um, but the idea of the false teachings and the false prophets, I'm putting those in air quotes for anybody who, you know, is curious, right. you know, we grow up in uh, the very conservative environment that teaches against such things. And yet at the same time, there is a perpetuation of them <laughs> because it's this idea of, of everyone having their own personal application. Like you said, I, I love the idea of taking, you know, a valuable teaching whether from Christ or somewhere else or, or what have you, but the value in that moment and then pairing it with, well, here's what I think that needs to look like, or here's where I'm trying to control the situation. And so I'm going to use this scripture reference as the anchor with which to do so. And now I've created something completely different. And now I'm going to put that on you. I, I love being able to recognize that because I think that so often when we're doing this deconstructive work and whether we reconstruct our faith or not, something about being able to identify what's influencing the way we think, and especially how we think about ourselves, you need to be able to understand the root, how that all started. So I love, I love the way that you're, you know, kind of laying that idea out. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's um, it's like when you're a kid. I mean, I love, 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 love. I mean, I've always loved music. Um, and my brother, I mean, I played some music, but then I dropped it. And my brother was a musician, uh, you know, for fun. And uh, because he was a drummer, band practice was always at our house because <laughs> drums were the hardest to carry. And um, I got really, I realized one of the, we have not, my brother and I are very, very different. We have but one of the places that we connected and I was always, you know, wanting to him to sort of, I was a little sister, you know, sort of, um, talk to me, <laughs> or, you know, like, whatever. And one of the ways that we connected was, um, through song lyrics mm. and just songs and, um, you know, my ability to interpret them and, be with the words and stuff was always something that, um, you know, even, even somebody like him, who's not into sort of the kinds of things that I'm into was, um, something that we could talk about and we could bond over. And, um, I mean, even when I look back, it's like any, anything, you know, you, you hear a song when you become an adult or that you maybe you liked when you were a child, but you only got it on one level or, 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 or have you ever had that experience where you really think the words are something totally dead? And then right. you see the words <laughs> and you're like, Oh my gosh, but that, that other phrase that I thought it was worked too, or it worked for me or right. And I, you know, I think we're doing versions of that all the time, you know, um, which is, which is beautiful if we can sit in non-judgment. Mm -hmm. And you know, my, uh, one of my, one of my, my first writing mentors, um, uh, once said to me, I, I don't remember how we got into a conversation, but, um, uh, I, we were, I was, I was writing poetry at that time and, and he had invited me to be in, in his sort of, um, he had this a group of adult poets um, that met over in New Paltz and every, whatever it was, Thursday night, I can't remember what night it was. And uh, he had invited me in. And I don't know, we were talking about a poem and I was talking about going back to a poem I had written years before and, and revising it. And he said, 
don't you dare do that. And I was like, why not? And he said, you have no right to go back at, you know, 19 or 20 or however old I was and, and revise something you wrote when you were 16. You know, like leave it be in its place or, you know, that was the message. So interesting. Mm-hmm. And, that, and just accept it, you know, as it was. Hmm. And, um, and I think, I think getting to that place where we can um, love the former versions of ourselves and, and just love whatever it is we can receive is, is just such a, such an important practice. It's so, mm. sounds so easy and you can sort of, I see you nodding your head and sort of, <laughs> and we can agree, you know, it's like, it's like so many of these other things, right? When they come out, come out in these little sam- sound bites, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so easy to agree, but so hard to do. But the practical application is a completely different thing to say, you know, and to just, and to walk around the world sort of recognizing that we're all perceiving things through, you know, different lenses and, and we might even be perceiving something through a different lens than we will mm-hmm. now, five years from now or, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Which I have to say, that's one of the things that I've come to really appreciate in this whole process is just the simplicity of being able to say, I don't know, and not being willing to define any one thing to the nth degree, like I would have in, you know, kind of past versions of myself, if you will. But just to give that space to breathe and to grow and to take in new information, to have a new experience and then have a new perspective on that. But Mm -hmm. recognizing that, you know, there's a constant evolution that's happening. So where Mm -hmm. I can anchor into values or sometimes beliefs, but again, I think that those even need to be questioned, but to be able to kind of keep that hand open idea as an approach to life, as opposed to saying, this is what it is. It's all black and white. It's all laid out. (laughs) And and we've only, the only option we have is just to continue the story, continue the narrative and and do as we're told. And I don't know about you, um, but from, actually, it's not true. I know that you and I both have that thing in us that just kind of bucks against that idea of, yeah, see, I don't fit the mold. (laughs) I'm not the one that can just keep going on the party line without asking the deeper questions, therefore leading to a new perspective. Yes. And I, I, I think where, yes, absolutely. And I, I, you know, I mean, I think, I mean, asking deep questions is like breathing for me, you know, I can't, I can't not, I can't turn that off. I can't not, I can't, you know, and it's just one of the things I appreciate about you because we could just as easily talk about hairstyles and jewelry and really great clothing to then all of a sudden, you know, this really deep, dark, twisty, the meaning of life type stuff. So I love that we can. It's funny because I don't think they're mutually exclusive and I don't think they're, you know, I mean, I think um, part of, of, you know, part of getting dressed is you know, expressing our values, our, you mm. know, I mean, not for everybody. I mean, I, I get that sure. and that's, that's, that's the line, right? It's like, I could, I can, you know, I mean, gosh, some of the most fascinating people I know are, you know, you wouldn't necessarily know it. You would, they would show no clue. Mm-hmm. Their, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. if you could, you know, if we could get that, 
moving a little faster. You know, I think we're always, I think we're all, I think, I think a reader is always reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, you know, um, if, if I could give you some clue or some insight or we could start up a conversation, you know, that starts with, you know, some expression. It's an, you know, it's an expression of self. So, um, but yeah, so I was, what I was going to say is, you know, one of the things that I have to, con- it's, it's, I have to keep doing it. Right. So that's one of the things that makes me not for everyone, right? Like not everyone wants to like drop down into this deep hole uh, <laughs> you know, at any, at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yeah. Okay. You know, you have your, I don't know, you know, I have a lot, I have different people in my life, in my life and stuff. And, you know, sometimes you have someone you really enjoy being around. It's just like, it's light, you know, it's light. Mm-hmm. It's, and that's okay. And it can stay there and that's okay. And that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I get into trouble sometimes when, oh, you know, I get I, like, why wouldn't you want to go deep? You know, why would, <laughs> or, or, you know, and like somebody refuses to, uh, you know, especially people I really love or, you know, I, ha- I have a, like a deep investment in, um, you know, and at the core of it, you know, my intentions are good. You know, I want to have a deeper relationship or a relationship that I think is more real or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, How much of that do you think is tied into just revisiting this idea of knowing yourself, of know thyself as a foundation and, and almost as a, a value system? How much do you think that the way we show up in partnership or in community in our conversation ties back to our own level of connection with ourselves and to really understand who we are and what shapes us. I mean, I, to me, it's, 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 you know, I, and I, and I'm very wary of, of these kinds of words. Um, you know, it's like, it has everything to do with it, you know? And like I said, I, I don't, I don't use that word often. And I, uh, and I, so I'm, I'm saying it very deliberately. Right. But that's what makes me a writer and thinker for hire Right. <laughs> right. And so, but, and so not every, so, so I, you know, I think that the thing to remember is that like, not everybody is going to want that job, be good at that job, be able to do that job. Right. Uh, uh, and, and that there is a kind of grace and, and, and respect and, and, you know, it, what am I trying to say? You know, it's that, it's that sort of Zen thing, you know, there are people that can um, find Zen and beauty and a kind of peace just hammering all day, mm-hmm. you know, so, so yes, I think, yeah, and, and, and there are those kinds of deep people too, you know, when you talk to them or when you, so I, I don't think, uh, but I, but I do think this gets tied up with, this is complicated. It's a complicated question too, right? I think one thing to know yourself and to be like, look, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't often go deep or, you know, sometimes it's not a choice. Mm. Um, You know, I think some of the places I found myself in and just my, my positioning in my family and whatever, you know, if you believe in, soul contracts or any of that kind of stuff, you know, whatever it was, like, what's my work to do in this world? All, all plays into it, right? So this time around, this is, this is who it is. is. 
Yeah. And, and, and so I think, but I think this goes both ways, right? Like when we get over to that acceptance, mm-hmm. it's very important, right, to understand. But I think there's, I think there's something different. Go. So I think, you know, somebody who says, look, I'm, I'm just, I'm light and breezy. Um, that's who I am. Just like you can't change who you are. Right. I can't change who I am. Great. Um, you know, like I said, I think there's different places and different people and they find themselves. I think we get into something else when we're talking about <sighs> rampant dysfunction, mm. um, abusive relationships, um, untreated mental illnesses, you know, and, and when we're trying to be in relationship with somebody who wants to be in relationship with us and we, we need to talk about the, we need to talk about the sheep mm-hmm. and they're going to say there are no sheep. There were never any sheep. You know, um, I think that's something different. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, and I also think that um, involves a kind of, you know, look, I can't make you, I can't make another person do the work that I've done or want to do it. Right. Or be willing to do it. And I have to be able to let you be you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but I, but, but what I can't do and what becomes very dangerous and where I think we get a lot of this angst is, you know, the kind of angst that, that I think is the, is the is 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 one point of origin for this this podcast that you're doing right is i think when we and i think um when we submit mm. when we when we submit um and it, at an early age sometimes we have very good reason to submit sometimes we have to submit to survive um, but that can become a very bad habit mm-hmm. um, and it involves a lot of self-sacrifice so let's go deeper into that because I think that that's such a, a fundamental experience that so many of us had growing up in the church. And I don't know that we would have been able to call it for that sake or that we would have been able to even see the pattern of it until we had enough age and experience to kind of step outside of that, turn back and look and say, oh, wait. I was groomed for that kind of behavior that was held out as a value to me. Becoming a martyr was highly valued to the point where I will put myself at the very bottom of everyone else's care list to the point of literally sometimes putting ourselves, you know, in very deep, dark, concerning places, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. What was that like for you? (laughs) (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. What was that like for you to... How did you make your way out of the patterns of submitting as a way of being? I'm still doing it. I mean, honestly, I'm still doing it. But I would say the most pivotal, uh, life-changing thing for me was was um, starting to write this memoir that I'm working on. Mm. And whoa, like, I mean, first of all, the first couple months I started doing it, I chastised myself for doing it. Um, you know, I thought, what are you doing? Um, you're spending inordinate amounts of time on this writing project that, um, you know, and, and I had just started a new business and had a, you know, have, I have two little kids. One was really little then. Um, and what are you doing? Um, and I couldn't stop. In fact, I, I backed myself into this corner writing about something I never thought I would write about because there it is again, right? You can't write about this. Mm. Um, you can't talk about this. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And I couldn't stop. Um, 
And I realized, first I realized at the very least, I was doing something vague for my own healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just kept going. Um, and the more I kept doing it, the most incredible thing happened was I began to see everything that I'd ever experienced on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I began to see the pattern. And I began to realize that the ways that I had, you know, the, the, oh my gosh, the ways we delude ourselves, um, partly because part of this programming and conditioning involves serious, serious, deep, deep delusion. Um, and, you know, so for example, you know, I might, you know, check off a box that said, okay, you know, where did I get into trouble last time? Okay. Well, last time I got in trouble, um, this person was much older than me and I was attracted to him and, you know, and yada, 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 yada. Okay. So, um, all right. What can, so, okay. Check off, you know, if, if I'm not sure about this person, okay. Check off this box. I'm not attracted to him. Uh, he's not that much older than me, you know, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And, but the trouble, it's a different, it's different, but it's exactly the same. <laughs> right. um, you know, and, the circumstances can be totally different, but there's something right? at the very core of it. That's the same thing. Yeah, and so you begin to see, um, whoa, you know, like, and, you know, trying to kind of trace back to the source, and Mm. where did I, and then, you know, you can, oh my gosh, you can get yourself in all, oh, it's just, it's been an incredible, incredible process, and so uh, it's been like taking, uh, (laughs) taking, uh, I don't know, I don't don't even know what to call it, but to see the patterning, Mm. uh, patterning of my own behavior and to be able to stop change redirect leave relationships uh and places um that look vastly different but ended up the dynamic seeming you know just history repeating itself you know and it's just like i don't know what i'm supposed to do but i just know i'm gonna do something that i did before which is Mm -hmm. you know turn around and walk away um you know and uh and so I, that has been such incredible, incredible work. Um, and, and that, that really uh, is, is helping me get free. Mm. And how beautiful that that actually brings us right back to this foundational concept of know thyself. Because in order to tell your story, you have to be intimately familiar with it and who you were in the moment and also who you are now and kind of connect the dots between the two, how that version of yourself informed how you or who you have now become. So I love that idea of, you know, the, the writing and the storytelling as a way in to that level of intimacy yeah. with yourself. And who I'm becoming because, yeah. because it's not over. And, and again, what, you know, again, what the tremendous power, forget, I mean, I, I always had the idea that the book, that this, that I wasn't even, even when I was telling myself that I was doing something inordinately selfish I didn't really believe that Mm. deep, deep down. Thank, thank goodness. Um, And then once I got, Oh, I would say once I was about a year and a half in, I started realizing, Oh wait, I'm not, because I realized the value that I was getting myself Mm. was happening organically was happening. Every time I faced the page, every time I submitted to my writing coaches, every time I, I wouldn't rest until I, rest of the chapter air quotes right <laughs> um, right and and um 
And really, it's a huge undertaking in personal responsibility because, you know, I joke around to people that the, um, you know, the biggest villain in my memoir is me, mm. um, right? Um, and, and I mean, it, it is, it's kind of a joke, um, but it's not. I well, mean, it, it kind of is and it's kind of not to kind um, of take us back to that idea of our separation from self and this idea of whether it was the delusion, whether it was carrying on the narrative of the submission, whether exactly. it was I mean, like there's so many different layers to our right. own self shaming that came into play by way of the environments we were raised in. And exactly. And at this point, the person, um, that I need to give the deep, that I owe the deepest debt of forgiveness to is myself. Mm. I think um, that that is the case for so many of us. Right. And so, because, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not 20 anymore. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I, yeah. So I think that, you know, the, oh. all good. <laughs> uh, uh, so that, um, you know, I just, I, are we back? Huh? Yep. You're good. Um, so I think, you know, it's, um, it's still work. I'm, I'm, I very much, uh, am doing and sort of saying, you know, <laughs> um, okay. So give me a second. Or was the word good there? We're good. Um, remind okay. me the question because I totally just was like, ah! Um, um, talking about, I'm sorry, hold on. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the idea of forgiving ourselves. Ah, yeah. Process. Yeah. So just take a second and give like two seconds of silence and then answer in. So we were talking about, about um, forgiving, forgiving myself. Um, yeah, so it's been a huge... Um, exercise in, you know, radical self-compassion, uh, radical candor, uh, all the things. And, and um, you know, it, it just really, the, you asked before, you know, how do we show up? And so for me, you know, this self-knowledge, this understanding myself, this being, you know, because what happens, I think, a lot of times in these disconnects when, when we're involved in these power structures, whether it's the church, whether it's patriarchy, whether it's your own family, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the rules come down on high and again, and they are, and, and whether or not, you know, we could talk about, you know, whether or not um, these rules were instated for my own protection or whatever, you know, and again, we go back to that idea of interpretation. I see with my own children, uh, the way they interpret the two, the two different personalities, two different, just what they came into the world with and who they are, mm-hmm. how they interpret and take things on same thing. Right, exactly. Um, very, very different experience. So that's been, you know, having having my children and doing this work at the same time is like, whoa, just such a such an amazing eye-opening experience. So to say again, I think, you know, I came into this world on a mission, um, as we all do. Um, we might f- have forgotten, we might forget what it is for a while, um, but these experiences will remind us. And I mm-hmm. think when we... Uh, when our freedoms are constricted um, and we try to 
oh, there's so many things going on, right? We're trying to obey, we're trying to people please, we're trying to often, if you are creative and you are empathetic and you are uh, naturally all curious and all those things, um, you will, I, you know, I think, I think that term uh, people, people pleasing sometimes makes it so much triter of an experience than it is, right? Because when you are a deeply empathetic person, when you are curious and compassionate by nature, Mm-hmm. Um, and you begin this as a young age, you, you often, you, you play against yourself. Absolutely. Um, because of your deep, deep love. Um, and, and so I think it's, it's sometimes a matter of, um, you know, this self work is, you know, so, you know, I have feel these feelings on the inside, but essentially to adopt your teachings and follow the rules, I have to stuff those down. I have mm-hmm. to, I have to crush them. Um, to obey. So, you know, we keep doing that. It becomes a habit. Mm-hmm. And, and those habits are hard to break until I think we all get to the point where we realize that, A, you know, we're doing a tremendous amount of self-harm. We're, we're harming the worlds with the gifts we can't, the gifts we can't bring forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we usually end up harming people in our relationships, um, you know, again, inadvertently, you know, right. um, because which is we, ironic because most often that's what we're trying to prevent from happening. And I found that there's a pattern of codependency that becomes absolutely foundational in these types of structures. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're actually, we're preventing them from, from doing what they need to do and we're preventing ourselves from doing, you know, what we need to do. And, um, and so you know, I think it's um, it's it's very complicated. But when you know yourself and you watch these patterns, and you don't need the proof anymore, you're not waiting for proof. You're not waiting for whatever. You're not hoping in this and that and the other thing. Um, you know, and I think there are other elements at play too. If if we've ever been hurt or um, there are any kinds of trust issues, um, we can overplay that deficit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I want to, I want to believe longer than I should that, um, you must also have my best interests at heart or, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're looking out for me or these, you know, we're told these certain, um, authority structures are good and are therefore are good. And, um, you know, those found those very formative teachings that we take on, um, that's the work. I mean, when you said before, you talked about beliefs. I mean, that's the work, right? That moment that I referred to before when I was in, in my recovery, it was like, whoa, mm. you know, just this, this like, whoa, I thought, I thought I was, di- I, I, like, where did this come from? And so, you know, it's one thing to, you know, for me, it was seeing, um, the women in my family, um, there were no, uh, the women in my family were all victims. Mm. And, you know, I decided almost prematurely, I would never be that. Mm. And the first step in healing from anything, you have to admit it. <laughs> um, you know, you have to admit it. Um, and, 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 and that's, that's, you know, one of the interesting things I think that's going on, you know, um, with, uh, you know, in the world it, with Me Too and all the, everybody coming forth and then people saying, you know, women are invested in being victims and stuff. And, and 
interesting, interesting times, right? But it's like, you know, so if I, if I, if I over identify first, I'm never going to be that, then I'm not going to care for myself when I'm actually hurt. Right. Um, And I'm not going to seek out the care when I'm actually hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to admit that I'm hurt. And if I'm not going to admit that I'm hurt, right, that, like, that is the essential, you know, it's essential to forming boundaries and being in good relationships with people. Oh, no, no, like, I can't fly with that, right? right. And like, <laughs> you, but I got to go because this, right? It's not, I don't love you or on some level, I can't respect you or I don't want you to be or, you know, it's just, I, I, I can't do this, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's almost like there's a, a duplicit nature at that point where in order to be congruent with yourself, you've got to be able to kind of identify things as they are and as they were to be able to bring the pieces back together. But when you feel that disconnect and you feel the incongruency of one thing that's being said versus the other thing that's sitting right below the surface, that is what we feel that's where it's kind of like, okay, hold on, red flag. <laughs> Let me pay attention to this. Right. But if you've grown up in anything where, um, and there's so much, I mean, you're talking about the church. I could talk about my family, you know, like I had this moment last year where I was like, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. You know, like, you know, I come from a, uh, you know, an Italian family, you know, family, 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 family. <laughs> I looked around and I was like, this family, like, is falling apart Mm. it's falling apart it's like you know and the person who's preaching the most family is the person who who's not acting you know who's not doing you know acting in such a way to uphold and you know keep together the very values that are being espoused, right? So it's it's like, you know, and it's, it's, so it's such a, it's really, I mean, my gosh, I mean, accepting what is and not Mm. as a, you know, I'm a visionary. I'm an idealist. I mean, I, I'm not gonna, you know, uh, something that surprises people sometimes is like, I think I'm, I think I'm an edgy romantic. Um, You know, (laughs) I, I, I mean, is the, is the best, most accurate way I can say it. I mean, and and when I say romantic, I don't mean in the flowery sort of sense. I mean, you know, like it's peace, love, and and peace uh-huh. and love. You know, I mean, <laughs> like, and, I, and I was just born that way. I mean, I I think I was a like a sort of a, a you know a kind of spectacle for my family. They were like, who is this child? Like, she <laughs> I mean, they all say like she doesn't come from us, you know. Um, so I. I I don't know. So I think the hard thing is I think when you love people. And you see the good in them hmm. and you see what's possible in the world and you are a sort of peace loving visionary. It's very hard to accept what is. Hmm. It's very hard to accept what is um, for other people when quite honestly, you want them to do better. Yeah. Yep. And going back to that idea of the full acceptance of who they are in this moment and also at the same time, the full acceptance of who you are in this moment. Yes. And and that you might not be as better as you think. (laughs) Right. And isn't it fascinating? Because that has been, I remember hearing this idea of relationships being mirrors and, you know, especially I have found, I, I love when you mentioned the idea of the boys and how different they are and how they interpret things, because, oh my goodness, if there was one thing that has redefined who I am 
as a person, it's being a parent. <laughs> like that was a whole new level of just self-awareness and really having to understand. I think for me, that was probably part of my deconstruction too, now that I think about it, because I would find myself saying things that I was told when I was a child that I don't actually oh. believe. Oh, that is come out of my oh. mouth and I'd be like, wait a second, hold on. Let me think about that. And I would literally stop myself in the middle of instructing my kids to do X, Y, or Z. And it's like, okay, hold on. I don't think I actually believe that. So let's just see if we can find a different solution to this problem. <laughs> it's, and then we're trying to lecture about something. Like, hold on. Like, just pause for a second. <laughs> so, and actually, that's something that I would love to talk to you more, especially because you're coming from this really strong Italian family. We all think about the stereotypes of, you know, what Italian families are like, talking with their hands and being really loud and eating a lot of pasta. Clearly, these are just stereotypes. Uh, no, that's pretty much I was true. Say, yeah, maybe <laughs> perhaps based in reality. Um, but let's do this. Let's um, wrap up the podcast here, but jump over into our bonus episode to talk about specifically the idea of not only the, the codependency piece, but the family structure and then how that changes when you're the parent and now needing to shape the culture of your own family oh, great, as opposed sure. to the family of origin. So this, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clementina, thank you so much. This has been a very fun conversation. Oh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Anytime. Well, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you know you can get access to all of our bonus information by joining our mailing list because then you'll get into our private Facebook group. We are all about finding ourselves in each other's stories. So we keep those stories safe, which is why it's a private Facebook group. The only way in is if you are on our email list so that we can really keep a safe container for everybody who is a part of this community. Uh, so join us over there because I think this one's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> we will see you guys soon. Bye-bye. 